This is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the podcast that dives into the wide and varied world of science and science-adjacent topics to discover what fun and interesting things we can learn on each podcast. Uh, We go through a variety of topics, and we also introduce a variety of special guests to join us in studio and online to go over uh, each different topic for each episode. My name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And today uh, we are talking about a subject that uh, many people can sometimes find hard to talk about, but something that I think most people would definitely benefit from. Uh, And Jeff, that topic is... We're doing fear of therapy. Well, uh, uh, Jeff, luckily, we are not alone in uh, our conversation today about therapy. Uh, Today, we are joined uh, through the magic of technology uh, by two special guests. Uh, One of our special guests is a comedian, a Vancouver comedian, who has been on CBC, Laugh Out Loud, and at JFL Northwest. She is also the current Vancouver Roast Battle Champion. Welcome, Rachel Schaefer. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) Our other special guest joining us for this episode of Fear of Science is an Emmy Award-winning journalist who works with CBC Radio on their early edition, also here in beautiful Vancouver. She's the producer of the CBC podcast, Other People's Problems, and has made numerous documentaries. We are very excited to welcome Jody Martinson. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, this is such an interesting subject um, and something I'm such a proponent proponent of um, is uh, how, the importance of therapy. Um, but we'll start with the first question that we start with on every episode. Why are people afraid of therapy? I feel like people are afraid of therapy because it's like so much effort to work on yourself. And everybody knows that we have stuff wrong with us. So then you're like, oh, like, then I got to go to this person and then they're going to tell me what's wrong. And then I'm going to have to like do stuff about it. And there's going to be accountability and I'm going to have to show up every week. And they're going to be like, where did you get? And I'm going to be like nowhere. And then they're going to be disappointed. And then it's my mom and dad all over again. And uh, <laughs> so that, I mean, that's why I haven't gone. <laughs> I, I really am. I know I'm coming into this knowing nothing about therapy. <laughs> having never been um i'm really just here to ask stupid questions and probably stall the conversation to getting to a productive and positive place (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean i think i think you're right about that that there's something very very terrifying about knowing ourselves right That, that the experience of going deeper inside is somehow scarier than a lot of other things that we face in life I, I'm not a therapist. I'm a journalist who got interested in therapy because of the experience of going with, um, with my partner for some couples counseling and kind of, you know, I, I, think, I think sharing that fear, that um, uncertainty around what would you discover when you start asking questions and start working with an expert and a, a professional to peel back some of the layers of what was going on in our lives. Um, yeah, it's totally terrifying. It's also... Um, 
yeah, it's work. Like you use the word graceful mm-hmm. work. It is work. <laughs> and who needs more work? You know, it, it is, it does, I think, upset the, the, whatever kind of equilibrium you have in your life, whether it's a healthy one or not, it does force you to, to assess that. And it does disrupt whatever patterns you already have. I, I mean, if it's effective, right, if it works, it is going to disrupt whatever's going on in your life at that time. And that's, that is terrifying. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I come at this not as, as someone who's an expert in therapy or as a person who, who, who works in that field, but more as a journalist who, in my own life, said, oh, my gosh, this is this whole facet of, of science, of, of research, and of uh, healthcare that's really unexplored by the media, largely, and has often been portrayed in really sort of silly ways when it is portrayed in movies and TV. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. When I think about therapy, I think of like Sopranos or um, Frasier, <laughs> my other idea of therapy and the person sitting on the couch or yeah, person lying on the couch and being asked the questions where uh, in reality, it's it's really not like that at all. Well, totally. I guess it could be, um, but probably not. That portrayal that you're talking about of the, uh, a therapist as a scary person, you know, um, one of the best things for me working with the the therapist I do work with in the podcast we make, um, Hillary McBride. So she's a Vancouver therapist and she's um, she just is absolutely not <laughs> any of the kind of um, cliches that you think a, a therapist would be from those sort of popular representations of someone who's very intimidating and kind of cold. She's mm-hmm. extremely warm. And so um, in the podcast that I make, we get to hear her actually interacting with her clients and overwhelming the, the, the thing that is most clear is that she's got a, a closeness and a vulnerability and a, a relationship with these people that's built on trust and, um, and even like a sense of, of love, almost like unconditional love. Like you can come in this space and say whatever you need to say, and I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm actually just here to listen to you and support you and help you improve your life. See, that sounds yeah. crazy to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would always, if I were in therapy, I'd be like, yeah, but they are judging. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll say most stuff, but I'm not going to say those couple things. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, that, that's the hard part with therapy, too, is finding that that person that you connect with. Because um, I've done couples counseling with my ex-wife. Um, and then I've also done uh, just individual counseling. And it's almost like you're you're shopping for a therapist when you're looking for a therapist the first time. Because, yeah, you can totally go to a therapist and be like, that person's judging me. And I don't like that person. Then try somebody else. That's probably the best way of doing it until you find somebody that you really connect with. And, you know, you might you might not as well. Um, so I think that's that's the stigma um, and and a lot of the hurdle you have to overcome in order to to go to therapy as well i'll shop around for a therapist until one's like you're you're good you're fine the way you are and i'll be like that's exactly what i wanted to hear <laughs> goodbye the, the entire goal of this episode is get rachel into therapy like... <laughs> i have so many issues you guys. <laughs> and that's i think that's like another part of like the fear of therapy is me being like i'm coasting just fine with all my anxieties let's keep this at a level that we're comfortable with (laughs) that's an actual fear of therapy as well is the fear of diagnosis 
Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to get into therapy because they're they're afraid that someone might be like, oh yeah, you you are crazy. Like, mm-hmm. so you know, people no. are afraid of of knowing that, right? Now, yeah, um, like, like if you get like a plumber to come to your house, they'll find problems that they gotta fix because mm-hmm. that's how they make the money. <laughs> Yeah, or getting your car tuned up. It's never just like fixing the flat tire, right? Yeah. Now, so, uh, so, um, uh, so to for for myself and perhaps for for Rachel and any of our listeners, uh, first of all, just to confirm. So, Rachel, uh, you have uh, have you been to therapy before, or I should have, but I haven't. <laughs> now, uh, for for our listeners, um, uh, Jeff and Jody. Um, what is uh, what can someone expect when they go into uh, a therapy session for the first time? And I realize this is also a, a second. This is maybe a two-parter. But is there a difference between therapy, counseling, um, uh, you know, being a therapist and being a counselor? Are those terms interchangeable, or are they different? Uh, that that I think is my first question. In BC, there's also, and, and maybe this is everywhere, there's a distinction between uh, clinical counselors and um, psychologists. So it's two different levels of, of training or education and uh, a, a difference. The psychologists have a, a body that's a, a kind of a disciplinary or governing body. And, um, and f- you know, if you do have any kind of health coverage that would include um, therapy, then at least for for the coverage I'm aware of, it's usually that you would require seeing a psychologist, not a, a clinical counselor. Mm. So they also usually charge different rates. That moves on to my next question is, so when, um, let's say for a therapist um, or, oh man, therapist, psychologist, counselor, clinical counselor, um, I'm learning so much. Is there a, a, what can one expect when they, go into a therapy session for the first time? Um, Is it, you know, each one is probably different, but are there some general things that usually do happen for a first session? I don't get the sense that there's any kind of, I mean, I think each each counselor or therapist is sort of working from their own um, methodologies and their own school of thought around everything and then their own, their own, personality and their own practice and what they bring to it so I don't know I I imagine that they there's some kind of assessment that they're doing but whether Mm -hmm. that's a standardized assessment that you'd expect every time I I don't think that's true I think it's very um you know spread out because there's some really big differences in how different therapists work and what school of thought they come from and what techniques they're using wonderful Mm -hmm. Uh, from from uh, so I've had a chance. Um, I'm very grateful that I've had the opportunity to to visit with a couple of counselors, uh, a couple of therapists um, through through my adulthood when I needed support. Um, and I say grateful because you know uh, I you know we have medical and dental. If one is so lucky to be able to qualify for those things, but you know uh, I really think that. Um, or dental rather, but, you know, yeah, mental health coverage should really be part of our universal health care. Um, yeah, absolutely. So important. Anyways, um, from when I was looking for a therapist, um, 
the things that I heard from different people and what I discovered for myself is um, you almost need to you, you almost need to shop around for a for a therapist that can that you jive with that you can connect with mm-hmm. um, and just because you have one session with a therapist if after that first one or first two and you realize that maybe their their method their practice isn't the same isn't right for you then maybe um, you should look into finding another person um, and I found that that thinking helpful for me because I didn't feel like oh oh I already talked to this person for one time I guess they're my therapist for life uh, <laughs> you know and I think that's that's healthy to try and make sure that that therapist relationship is a good and healthy one um, I think that can, can also be a way to help alleviate some of that fear yeah and to really open up um, to a total stranger is not easy to do. Um, so you really need to find somebody who, not that I believe in like energies, but has that that energy that that uh, vibes with you and, and that you feel comfortable with and you feel okay to open up to. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost like every other um, profession, right? Like if you go to get your hair cut, you know, you'll have a range of experiences depending on your own personal style and what you want and, you know, how much you pay. <laughs> like there's yeah. such a, a range of experiences with everyone that we interact with who's a professional that provides some kind of um, service to us. Uh, I think that was, you know, it's it's not like this um, perfect science of, you know, X equals Y and then we just proceed along and it, it ends up yeah. in some kind of result. It's very much about that mix and that relationship between you and that person from what I have, have gathered in my own life. And certainly from what I hear listening to many hours of, of therapy between Hillary McBride and her clients, you know, so much of it. And Hillary would say that so much of it is actually the two together. It's the, the, the space and the dynamic between them and giving someone who's maybe not ever been um, understood or as they say all the time, you know, seen, you know, understood mm-hmm. in a deep way, and accepted in a deep way, um, it, it's that that first experience, or, or perhaps deepest experience of, of feeling trusted and seen, and uh, and really like safe to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep the walls up. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, now, Jody, um, I, I think this is a, a nice way to segue into um, telling our listeners and, and us a little bit more about um, other people's problems. Uh, so other people's problems, it is a, a CBC podcast. Um, what is uh, what is it about uh, for for us and our listeners? Sure. So it's it's um, there are a few podcasts now that uh, that do sort of allow you to go into the therapy room and you hear the dynamic between a host and, and the people that that she is counseling are often produced by women. And um, but we actually started this a really long time ago. And the effort was to find someone who um, would let us inside in a, in a much more kind of documentary style way. So a lot of what you hear um is people who've called a therapist who does a podcast and said, can I come and, and for one session tell you my problem, you give me a quick fix or a quick in, insight, and then I go off. And that's great. I, mean, I think those are terrific podcasts as well. What's unique about other people's problems is you're actually hearing real therapy. 
So mm-hmm. these are clients that have been with Hillary McBride for a really long time. They plan to stay with her. And we just happen to have microphones in for a few of those sessions. So you're catching someone very much on a, you know, on a path to somewhere in their own personal healing. And um, so it's created like a, a, a realness. It's almost more like a documentary about therapy and where you get to really be inside someone's world for, for the hour of therapy session. We, we shorten them a little bit just for, for time. And so they end up being kind of these half hour sessions with real people in real therapy sessions. And for me, it came out of this, like I said, like this first experience of going for some couples counseling and feeling like, boy, you know, I walked in and I, I wouldn't have said that I really even knew what, what an emotion was when I first went mm-hmm. into counseling. I would have said, like, what? How, it doesn't matter. Actually, our job is to kind of put our emotions aside and soldier on and be, you know, <laughs> be professional, be whatever, be kind, do this and that, but don't let your emotions enter into your your life in any really big way. Control them. And, uh, and it has been so incredible to go through this experience in my own life of receiving counseling and, and understanding that actually like emotions are our first language as kids they're where we where we start and we spend we've we've really been kind of raised many of us to um to not nurture them and to not come to understand mm-hmm. how, what they tell us about ourselves and how to have healthy emotions that don't hurt other people um mm-hmm. so that's where that came from and uh i just thought boy, in journalism, we do a really good job of crisis scenarios when it comes to mental health. So situations where it's gone so bad that there needs to be like a public accountability. Um, and I think about youth suicide or, or things where it's just so clearly bad that we say, well, there's a story and we jump in and we do our journalism. We also do a fair amount of, you know, I kind of call the boring awareness campaigns. So like today is such and such health day and we're going to talk very superficially for one day about mental health and then go back and pretend it doesn't exist the rest of the year and I wanted something that was more in the middle which sort of similar to how we talk so frequently about say physical health and the things we need to do daily to take care of our physical health I wanted something that was in that that space where you know, one in five Canadians struggle with mental health. I wanted something that was about that. Those mm-hmm. of us who aren't, you know, who have have depression, who have anxiety, who have things that come up weekly and actually have to work through them all the time. We're not quite in a crisis situation yet, but we're we're just trying our best to be human in the world. And there's some really good science and really good tools out there that most of us don't have any exposure to. Do you think that one in five statistic is accurate or do you think it's like a lot of people are just like, I'm fine, but it's actually all of us? Hmm. Mm. What an interesting like how, do yeah. we, how do we accurately track that? What do you think? Yeah. I feel like it's all of us. Hmm. Yeah. We're all screwed up in some way. For yeah. Sure. And some of us are very good at pushing it down. Yeah. And I shouldn't say screwed up because it's not like you going to therapy means that there's something wrong with you. Uh, that's not true at all um it just means that it's good to have someone there to talk to and and someone who for me when i went to counseling and when i went to couples therapy it was a lot of tools that i learned uh which i really appreciate and things that have stayed with me through different relationships and and the rest of my life where 
where I know, okay, I see that thing about myself is popping up again. Um, just to like really acknowledge that um, and and deal with it. And having a therapist or having a counselor has really helped me uh, understand that, mm-hmm. which I think has been the most beneficial thing. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now, qu- question for you, Rachel. Now, um, as a as a comedian, a stand up comedian, um, you you know you're on stage. You know, uh, knock on wood, when we are able to safely get up on stage in front of hundreds of people, um, you know, safely, of course. But you know, uh, as a as a stand up comic. You're on stage and you're sharing your yourself with these strangers. Um, you know, you're sharing your personal life. You're sharing successes. You know, uh, insights, personal thoughts, etc. Um, is do you think that there would be a difference between doing that in front of a stranger in an audience or a, a stranger in a room by themselves? Like, is there? It, is there a, do you see a difference in that kind of opening up? Uh, I do, I do feel like there is, I feel like people, a lot of comedians hear it as kind of like a cliche of like, oh, like stand up comedy is therapy. But, and as much as like people say that and feel like that's a joke, I really feel like it is true because uh-huh. I've never been to therapy, but like, I know I have like a lot of struggles with anxiety and specifically like embarrassment used to just like completely crush me but on stage I talk about so many embarrassing things and it's like as soon as I've said it out loud and decided it's a funny story it's takes away any negative feelings I had towards that story and now it's like Mm -hmm. a thing that I use so to get laughs (laughs) so it really I mean I feel like there's I feel like there's not too much difference between that and going to therapy and saying your deepest feelings out loud to another person and having them be like, it's okay. Uh, That's normal. Here's like how we can work on it is kind of the same as like saying your embarrassing things on stage and having everybody laugh. They're not laughing at you. They're laughing at the thing that you said. And then you're like, Oh, these people love that that happened. (laughs) And all of a sudden it, feels very okay that that thing happened and feels like you're okay. Aren't we actually often laughing because we say, oh, like, me too? Aren't we often having yeah. this experience exactly. you're, you're telling <laughs> right. us the truth about ourselves? Exactly. Like, especially if you, like, frame it that way. Like, I mean, this isn't the best, this isn't the most groundbreaking way to frame a joke. But if you frame something as, like, do you guys know when this thing happens? And then people are like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You're like, okay, thank God they laughed. Because I, <laughs> until that second, I was not sure that was a thing that happened to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although therapists don't tend to laugh at you very much. That so. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm looking for when I shop around for a therapist is somebody who's like a good crowd. <laughs> you just want to do a solid five yeah. with a therapist. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my only opportunity to like get an hour is to <laughs> sit with a therapist. Um, That'd be a great use of therapy. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> so for for our listeners, um, and again, every person is is different. You know, um, I, I I went to see a counselor uh, when I I almost I think everybody kind of gets to that point where um 
where they realize if they do need help and support, um, they almost need to kind of get there on their own. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of like I, having friends and family encourage them. But, you know, for me, I, I don't know how helpful it is if if I was to tell someone, you need help. You are, uh, things are not good for you. You are <laughs> uh, versus, you know, so, uh, okay. I, I think I, I figured out what my question is. How can, <laughs> um, how can friends or family uh, support people in their journey um, towards say, you know, I guess not only mental health, but also say looking for a psychologist, looking for a counselor, looking for a therapist. Um, how, what is the best way to do that? Well, I think what Rachel said, you've really got me um, like thinking on this idea of this one in five statistic and, and this idea that no, in fact, because the idea of putting, of, of saying that the only people who need help with mental health or, or the only people for whom mental health matters are people who have problems. Like I, I agree with you, Rachel. I just think it's all of us and emotions are so much at the core of our experience of our lives, whether we like that or not, whether we're accepting of that or not. And then our ability to like what we do with those is um, it creates healthy wonderful relationships and dynamics it can also create the worst stuff in in our lives and so part of it I guess is this bigger thinking around making sure that when we do talk about our experiences in therapy or our experiences with our own mental health that we're talking about it in a way that's normalizing like taking Mm -hmm. away that that sort of stigma that is in some of the films and and pop culture references to it still um also I had a, a, a psychiatrist say this to me, and I thought it was really, really smart. He said, you know, it's pretty pretty Western or pretty one way of thinking to think about mental health as only happening in this box of a therapy office. You know, we go and we get like a checkup once a year or something like that, and then we go back to our lives. And he said, you know, in so many cultures, when, when we, we talk about mental health and healing it's actually much more just about like relationships and sitting together and and sharing the experience of being human with the people who care about you your friends and family so it's i guess like i want to stay away from thinking that mental health only happens in an office and towards a, a um you know a future where we start to think of mental health as happening daily as part of our our lives and i i mean the thing that i i can't stop thinking about now is um, just how much I can't, I feel like we can't come out of our education system. And I think things are changing all the time, but for those of us who have, who are adults and came through public education system years and years ago, you know, how many math classes and chemistry and all these things did you have? And how many classes did you have where they talked about conflicts between people and how you resolve those Mm -hmm. or why you feel the way you feel sometimes and what, what even, um, how our brains work, you know, we like nothing like that. You know, if they, if we did have a class on personal skills, it was about like writing your resume, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I do think it's time for us as a society to figure out where does emotional literacy and mental health literacy fit in our, in how we raise our children and what our children are exposed to in school and, and then in our workplaces like in everything in our lives, because 
we can do such damage to other people by ignoring that facet of our lives and such yeah. damage to ourselves. Yeah, I think a large amount of it is is really talking about it and and getting comfortable talking about it with other people. Um, we're we're taught to take our emotions and and take our our thoughts and just bottle them up and and just hope for the best. And from what I understand, that is not the appropriate way to deal with emotions is bottling them up. Um, but you know, especially uh, men as well. Men, we're we're not supposed to express emotions. That's that's the manly way of doing it. Oh, totally. No emotions. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, uh, that's a little too much emotion. No. Oh, sorry. I uh, I'll stop. I'll stop feeling those emotions. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, totally, totally. It's uh, it's certainly there. Yeah. Um. That's I I I like that phrasing. Emotional literacy. Um. You know, because I think. You know, I think, oh, this is uh, part, part, I feel this is like part three of a 10 part series that we could do about in general about mental health and, and the system. Quick, Jeff, uh, let's pitch CBC on a 10 part series. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, uh, so when we, um, so for ourselves, for people who finally, um, get to the point where uh, should 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 people wait until until they've bottled it up and they can't hold it in anymore, or is it or is it still recommended that people who are, you know things are actually okay? Um, if if it's okay, why do I need to go see a counselor? Well, I think one of the things that really came out, we just released our third season of Other People's Problems. And one of the things that really was a theme in many of the sessions this time was um, Hillary asking the clients she was working with to almost come to terms with the, the, tool, the, uh, the ways they had coped to get through hard times in life and, and to, to thank those things and to say like that, to, to not, um, you know, reprimand the part of themselves or to sort of cast away the part of themselves that had some used some things in coping that maybe actually in the long run hurt them but maybe got them through a rough childhood or through a period of, of time where there was someone who was hurting them in their lives so um so for example you might as a you know you might really harden yourself and have a huge a lot of self-preservation instinct as a kid you might really work to be self-sufficient as a kid because perhaps there's no adult meeting your needs but when you get to your adult life you're still doing that and you have a partner all of a sudden who wants in and wants to be close to you and you're still pushing and pushing and pushing away because you can do it all by yourself you don't need help and mm -hmm. so instead of saying oh I'm so bad like I'm still doing this thing I did my whole life you start to say, well, thank you to this thing in me that actually helped me get through a really rough time. I don't really need you anymore, though. You know, thanks for being there. And now I don't need that part of myself. I have this other thing that's happening that's healthier and allows me to go forward. And, and I, yeah, I just thought, isn't that a change? <laughs> and, and talking about the stigma of therapy, like, isn't that a nicer way to think about our, our path in life and to not feel so ashamed of the ways that we've mm -hmm. coped in the past that have haven't been ideal in the long run, but really helped us for a short time. Um, yeah. So it was really a theme. And I, 
I, I don't know. Like, does that answer? Does that relate to your your question? Um, uh, thank you, Jody. That that does answer my question, and it's uh, um, you know, I think for uh, especially in the time, especially in this time that we are currently recording this, um, mm-hmm. I think that you know. Um, now more than ever, I think uh, that it's important for people to to not feel that to hopefully not feel that stigma, not feel that shame, not feel that guilt. Um, you know, let go of, uh, from one of the things that my uh, therapist you know shared with me. One of the the tools is you know the the survival the survival tools and mechanisms that we had when we were kids or teenagers or as adults or two weeks ago today um they they helped you survive then and you know you should you uh, and you needed those tools and so you know mm-hmm. yes those you should be thankful that those tools were there to help you but again you know let's provide you with new to new tools so that you don't need to do these things anymore yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard to um to figure out when to to go to therapy because you know sometimes it feels like you you need to fix yourself um which I don't necessarily think that's what therapy is for but it can give you tools to to help grow and change and overcome an obstacle that you have in your life. Hopefully you're not going when all of everything is bottled up and you're about to explode. But it's also hard to go to therapy when everything's going great in your life too. Um, so yeah, finding that, that time when I think if you have in the back of your head, maybe I should see a therapist. You should probably see a therapist. It, it feels like such a privilege still to go to therapy. Cause like, if you break mm-hmm. your leg, you're like, I need this fixed right now. I'm going to go to the doctor, but therapy to my knowledge still like costs money unless you're covered by your job or something. And therapy costs a fortune. Therapy yeah. is not yeah. cheap. And, um, and it is entirely a, a, a thing that we have for, for people who have stable jobs that have benefits. Like it is not at all easy to access therapy unless you're in a crisis. You know, yeah. it is not set up for people to go and work through conflicts with their spouses or how to be a good parent or a good, you know, employee um, in an affordable way. It is expensive. Well, even with uh, with benefits as well, like I've got a stable job and I've got pretty decent benefits and that still only covers five visits a year. That's it. Yeah. And so I do think, I think this is a little bit my kind of criticism of a society where we pay a lot of lip service to mental health, <laughs> but in the, when push comes to shove, we don't, we don't treat it similar to dental work or whatever. We don't treat it as mm-hmm. part of our our healthcare system in any very meaningful way. And it is set up to be something that only the most privileged of us can access. It is not set up. And that was part of why I wanted to make this podcast. I wanted to create something that had, you know, this, the, there's so much science and so much evidence behind the work of a good therapist and, and Hillary, you know, just totally exemplifies that in her work. And it was my goal to do something that almost popularized it, like took it away from the, the this place where no one's allowed to go the privacy the anonymity of a um of a an office and put it out there and it's unbelievable i couldn't believe even just myself 
listening to each of the sessions, it was something I took from each of those sessions. And we called it, you know, other people's problems in a really tongue in cheek way. And we say other people's problems are a lot like our own, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's something so particular to each person's story, but also a lot of universal or, or, um, you know, real evidence-based approaches to how we can, what we can learn from hearing someone else's struggles and the counseling they receive to try to resolve them. Um, so, no, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's sort of misleading to even be talking about just pop down to your local therapist because mm-hmm. when you're talking a couple hundred dollars for an hour of someone's time and we know that real change takes many, many, many hours and, and at least to some you know, to Hillary's line of thinking and therapists like her, a, a close relationship with a therapist that you develop over time. Um, that's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm great. I'm grateful that there's resources and, and programs like other people's problems. I was listening to it the other day and it was funny because when I first went through the list of episodes, I was like, Oh, that person is nothing like me. That person is nothing like me. I don't want to listen to that one. And then there was one, um, a couple, um, and one person was transitioning. And I've gone through couples care- counseling, so I find the the couples ones really interesting. So I listened to that one, and I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm relating to so much of what's going on here. Um, and... And it's a totally different kind of person than I am. Totally. So it's it's really cool to to realize that everyone's going through the same thing that you are in some way, and and that people's experiences are are different but the same. And that and in that case, right, it's a such a particular change they're going through, um, and yet the experience of how do you when you're with someone for a long time, how do you create an opportunity for them to change, and you don't put them in a box, right? Like, yeah. don't you experience yeah. that in any kind of long-term relationship? It's like, you're not the person I met on the first day. I don't, don't, don't change. Don't change anything about you, you know? And so that yeah. was a, a theme there that I think a lot of us could relate to. Yeah. And that was that episode too. I, I went into couples counseling after seven years of a marriage. Um, and that whole seven year itch is absolutely a real thing. Um, so to to listen to an episode with a couple who had been married for six and a half years and was going through a lot of the same experience. And for me, I did couples counseling and we realized that we were not compatible anymore after we changed after seven years and we got a divorce. But it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And I would not be where I am uh, now without it. And I largely thank my counselor for that. I never would have got to that point. I would never be where I am without that counselor. So uh, uh, what is, hmm, for uh, Jeff, for for people listening to this episode of The Fear of Science, and also for you, Jody, um, for people uh, listening to other people's problems, um, and even for you, Rachel, uh, you know, when people come and see you perform your comedy and other stand-up comics um, sharing themselves, uh, what what do we hope that listeners take from our podcast, uh, our, our, our respective podcasts, or even people listening to our stand-up where we share ourselves and the and the crap that we're going through? What what are we what do we hope people take away from from this? I feel like there's nothing to I, there shouldn't be a fear of therapy because nobody's problems are unique. 
Like you're never the first person, <clears throat> sorry, to go to have gone through anything. Uh, yeah, like when we say something on stage, like sometimes people in the audience are like, oh, I wish I thought of to say that that way, mm-hmm. but it's like still a true thing to them. So I'm sure it's the same with therapy. Like I'm sure therapists, how you, I, I'm sure people find really great therapists and there's oftentimes reasons why that therapist like got so great maybe they didn't start that way but they've been encountering the same problems with like hundreds of people over the course of a career and now they know like good tools to deal with specific problems that are happening to huge amounts of people but people come in with so much embarrassment and shame uh that's really unnecessary Mm. Yeah, yeah and and rachel do you think a lot of comedy comes out of hurt like do you think some yeah for sure. Yeah. I, do, I don't, I don't think all of it does. Like, I think there mm-hmm. is like, um, an untrue stereotype that everybody who does comedy had a horrible childhood or has, um, s- like a, a severe mental illness or, mm-hmm. or some like real demons they're fighting. That's not true for everybody. Like some of my favorite com- comedians are like, like just delightfully silly <laughs> and their comedy doesn't really come from uh, you know, horrible traumatic events, <laughs> but that is true for a lot of people. And it, and I think it's really nice when you can make comedy from those things. And then the audience is like, Oh, like I had that too. And I guess it's okay. Yeah. You make me think of too, that it's like important to, to dispel that myth of um, that you have to be like a suffering person to make art or to, to do meaningful comedy that in fact you can get, get help or help yourself to heal and still be a wondrously creative person in the world. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah I feel like they're, yeah, you're totally right about art in general. I feel like people have this idea of like painting or writing that you have to go through something awful and it's like, no, you can just be a good painter, be a good writer and <laughs> still make yeah. meaningful art. <laughs> yeah. So we've learned that uh, therapy is not something to be scared of and that comedians are just like real people. <gasps> <laughs> Yep, we've all peed our pants at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Uh, Thank you both. Uh, Jeff, is there uh, anything else that you are um, wanting to uh, uh, discover during today's episode, today's conversation? No, I think this has been amazing. Um, I think that um, we've done different episodes on uh, mental health. Um, we've done a couple around um, uh, COVID now um, and mental health. And I, I just think it's so important just to to talk about it, to talk about it with people, get it out in the open. Um, Absolutely. Not like Jody was saying, it's not something that should be, you know, shut the door. Now we can talk about mental health. Like it's something that everyone should be able to talk about together. I know I definitely have a privilege where I'm an open book. I, I could not care less about what people think about me or. <laughs> and you are I'm stronger ten. than so many. <laughs> but I know even we've done episodes in the past where they've been really difficult conversations and you feel almost exhausted afterwards, but I find those are so powerful and so um, important uh, to have. Um, and I think the more we can just talk to each other and understand each other, um, the better this world will be. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I'm glad you you said that, and it makes me just want to, you know, if I if I had one more sh- thought I wanted to share, it's the appreciation I have for the people 
like you, Rachel, who do comedy, also all the people in, in uh, the podcast in, in the podcast I make who've allowed us to put microphones into their mm-hmm. sessions, you know, like sometimes I, I mean, I'm, I'm so conflicted on it. On the one hand, as a journalist, I'm constantly mm-hmm. asking people to answer uncomfortable questions or very real questions. And I, I love that honesty that people are so willing to share. But, um, but yeah, it's so scary. And it's been amazing to watch the people who've agreed to let us record their sessions. Um, we come back to them with the, the session before we release it to the public and give them a chance to say, no, I don't want it released. Hmm. And um, that's a very unusual thing for CBC to allow, but we're doing it because we have such extraordinary access to people in a very vulnerable moment in their lives and they really don't have to do it. They're doing it because they believe that um, you know, working on their own mental health has made such a difference in their lives that they want to share it with other people, almost like they've become advocates for, um, for working through their problems. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, you know, uh, for, for me, my hope is, um, you know, whether, whether it's someone listening to uh, this episode of The Fear of Science or someone listening to an episode of Other People's Problems, or if someone, you know, is able to talk with a friend or a family member um, or hopefully see a positive portrayal of therapy in the media, you know, if even one person is inspired to, to take that step on their, their own mental health journey or to help someone on their mental health journey, I think that's, uh, that's, that's the win. So, yeah, absolutely. It's so deep. <laughs> uh, uh, now uh, uh thanks again to uh both rachel and jody for joining us uh for our listeners where can they find out more about you and your work oh um you can follow me on twitter and instagram at rachel e schaefer um i'll post a lot of um like upcoming stuff or you know just more embarrassing stuff on there that you can certainly <laughs> see. And yeah, I think that that's maybe like one last thing that I wanted to say was that uh, if you need help, certainly go get it. But if you absolutely can't afford therapy, you can um, hopefully afford $5 to go to a comedy show and hear somebody tell you about <laughs> your problems that they also have on stage. <laughs> and that may or may not be helpful to you. Or go to an open <laughs> mic and make everybody very uncomfortable. Go <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Um, I, I have, I'm on Twitter as well at Jody Martinson, and but I'm not that good at Twitter, if I'm honest. It's it's uh, not my favorite, <laughs> my favorite spot to to tell stories. But um, yeah, my work's on at CBC uh, Radio and and podcasts, and I don't know, it, it comes around. You'll hear it on the radio. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jody. Uh, and Jeff, where can where can our listeners find us if they happen to randomly stumble upon this episode somewhere in the internet ether? You can find us at at Science Fears on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and then you can find our the well, if you're listening to us right now, you've obviously found the, the <laughs> podcast somewhere. Right. Uh, but you can Find us on thefearofscience.com or any podcasting platform. Wonderful. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to our two special guests. And um, as 
uh, as we always say here on uh, the Fear of Science, uh, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Thank Bye. you. It's been fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.